Welcome to the All About Alts podcast, where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, Newview Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future, and we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the All About Alts podcast. I am Jason DeBono, your host, and I am joined by a good friend, a former colleague, and an all-around franchise expert, Tarek Johnson. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it's good, uh, good to see you. So uh, Tarek and I worked together uh, for a few years, which was awesome. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit. I got to learn so much from him, and 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 he's become such a good friend over the years. Um, but he's he has gone and moved on and started Franchise Empire, and he is in the franchise business, which he was before even starting here at New View, and uh, and has since uh, built the empire, uh, pun intended, uh, as he does franchise brokerage and consultancy. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into all of it, but let, let's just start with how's life, what's new, exciting, how you doing? Yeah, man, I'm great. You know, it's, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, as you know, with a family is always a fun roller coaster of an adventure. Uh, it's funny, actually, we were I was uh, doing one of our, our group calls, we do group calls with some of our clients. And, and I said, at the end of the call, I said, you know, really running a business is it's the it's most comparable to parenting. And there's a reason why people call their business their their baby. And, uh, uh, for me, parenting and business are they're they're neck and neck in terms of their their level of uh, of difficulty. I couldn't agree more. I, uh, my wife and I had dinner last night, and you know it's hard because you don't want to draw comparisons to business and home, but yeah, they're they're borderline one and the same. So, well, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about you know so going back and and I'm not, I'm not even going to venture at the years because it's been a few years back. It was around the the COVID era. Um, but when when Tarek joined, you know, Tarek was, was what I consider just one of those kind of diamond in the rough hires um, because, you know, his he has such great background, but he thought like an owner. And, and that really was tied to the fact that when you started, you owned a couple of franchises as you were in corporate America, left corporate America, went back to corporate America. So, you know, people think, how can you own a franchise and have a job? Right. That doesn't make sense. And first of all, you know, you did it incredibly well, but. Let's talk a little bit about that, you know, kind of what caused you to get back into to corporate America. And and even though you had a couple of franchises, let's, you know, and go back further if you want. But I know a little bit about that story, but maybe give our listeners some insight into that that story. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll rewind the quack a little bit before and then kind of come back to that point. But, you know, really for, you know, probably ever since I had graduated high school, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I started, you know, making money how uh, most young kids who wind up being entrepreneurs, mowing lawns, walking dogs, you know, that was that was kind of my first my first taste of things. But for whatever reason that, you know, call it fate, destiny, God, whatever it is, um, I had that dream in my heart as a as a young kid, but I got involved in financial services. So I got my investment licenses, uh, my series six and 63 when I was 19 got my seven and 66 around 21, 22, something like that. And just kind of got involved into the into that world. And I, I really enjoyed financial advising. The challenge with it, though, was uh, with the licenses that I had and being highly regulated, 
you know, you really couldn't do any other outside business activity. And um, in, in that world, especially the securities world, you have what's called OBAs, so outside business activities, where if you're doing anything, you have to you have to file and get it approved with your compliance department. And so I had I had this odd dream of wanting to be a YouTuber ever since like 2007. I would watch these people on YouTube and I just thought, man, how cool is that? People going out, teaching, sharing, giving their advice on YouTube. I want to do that one day. Uh, but I, I just couldn't talk about any. I was not allowed to talk about anything business or financial related. And that's what I wanted to talk about. That That's what I knew. That's what you know my, my world was. And so I knew that at some point I would want to get out and do something. And so over the years, I kept trying to start business after business after business, just failing, started uh, trying to start a clothing line, uh, uh, ebook publishing business, um, uh, just all sorts of tax lien investing business, um, all sorts of different things that, that I started. And so, you know, really fast forward after many failed attempts at starting my own thing, I just I started to learn about myself, at least at that time, that I was really good at at following the playbook. Like if you if you gave me the playbook and you were like, hey, you got to follow the playbook as best as you can, I will do that. I will be able to follow the instructions, run the play and go 100%. So I thought, wow, so if someone actually gave me like a proven template or model, I, I think that, I think I could do it. I felt pretty confident in that. I had acknowledged that I wasn't the guy that was probably gonna come up with the idea and create the whole vision, right? And in, in EOS terminology, which, man, what an amazing experience. We can talk about that at NewView and, you know, having the opportunity to to be on the leadership team and learn EOS. And we use it in our business now, uh, actually. Um, and so I was not the visionary at that point, right? And so so I got involved in franchising and and we uh, we opened up our first location uh, from scratch, my wife and I, uh, back in California when we were living there. And uh, we got it profitable in the first two months, which was kind of uh, unusual, especially in the food space. And and then we went to moving to Florida, bought a resale location, started turning that around. I'm giving the expedited version of this. But, you know, fast forward to 2020. So we had opened the first location in 2017 in California moved 2,500 miles away um, at eight months after opening it. So for it is possible to run you know, a franchise or business, let's call it absentee or semi-absentee. I think the misconception for most people is they think that they can just open a business, throw a manager in, and expect that you know, someone they hire for 50, 60, 80, 100 grand a year is going to run their business and treat it like their own. And, and and that they're not going to have to like do anything or be uncomfortable or and and they're you know I think people that approach it that way are are uh, quickly run into some painful situations. But I spent every day in the store for months, you know, really grinding it out. And um, anyways, I'll I'll pause there because I went on a whole, whole tangent with anything. I don't know that I actually answered your original question. <laughs> well, you, you know, you you did. And 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 I love when people share their journey, because I think what happens is as listeners and, and I'm an active listener on the show, just like our listeners are, you know, we hear things and, and I'll just highlight a couple things that I heard. And, and I think, first of all, you had financial maturity 
in the decision for you to recognize that, hey, I'm probably not the guy to create something, right? But I can run something. And I think we tend to think as entrepreneurs, you got to be all things. And the other side of that is you may be the guy that cre can create, but you may not be able to run. And so, you know, whether we're talking about real estate or whether we're talking about a business, a franchise, you know, understanding who you are, um, I'll give you a prime example. Like, I love real estate, but you know what I hate and I'm not good at? Finding it. Mm. I don't want to go through that process, but I love real estate. I can repurpose. I can, you know, strategize. I can do all of that, but there's a process. So I need to, to build people on my team that can go find deals, right? And there's plenty of people that'll find the deals, but they don't want to figure out how to make it you know, financial. They just want to say, here, here, this is deal A, deal B, deal C. So in your world, you know, you entered into something that said, hey, I don't want to go start a business, but you know what? I want to start and run a business, but I want that playbook. So I think if there's a highlight out of that, that journey and, and our listeners and myself included can take, it's like, hey, it's okay to say I'm good at this and not good at this. And the sooner that you accept that, the better. Um, and it sounds like that decision, you know, was such a great pivotal decision because you could have kept failing to a point that you said, I'm done failing. I'm not good at any of this. And you could be back working in corporate America. Right. And, and not loving what you do. So I, I was, I was, <clears throat> I was millimeters from that point. Um, cause at that point I was, I was about eight years into the journey of trying to start nine different businesses, <clears throat> having given up on many of them or, or just, you know, thrown in the towel, whatever it was. And, and if it wasn't for a good buddy of mine that I went at meeting who at that time was a very successful entrepreneur around the same age as me running a $5 million a year business. And I remember him, this was when we were living in California back in uh, 2000, this was around 2015. And I remember him saying to me that, uh, uh, Tark, with your skill sets, you should be making at least a million dollars a year. Whether he meant net or gross, you know, who knows? But either way, I was uh, both like slightly offended and motivated at the same time that he said that uh, because I thought, man, you don't think I've tried? <laughs> number one, you know, number two was that I thought, man, this this guy sees something in me and he's already so successful. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, Jason, where someone and probably but like someone saw and spoke their vision into you, what they saw you were capable of. And at that moment in time, maybe you didn't have the confidence or see that in yourself, but someone else speaking that vision into you made you think, oh, wait, hold on, I can do this. And that's when I then realized, I think I've been approaching this the wrong way. Let me just, instead of trying to improve my weakness, let me just double down on what I'm what I'm strong at. Well, that that is... That is critical to almost everyone's success is you got to have people that see what you don't see. And and part of that, too, is you have to be willing to listen to it um, and hear it, because there's a lot of people that that play a, a mentorship role in your life. Right. And that can be family members. It can be friends. It can be colleagues. It can be all of those things. And if you're not receptive to that feedback, even though it may not feel good, um, you know, you know, Glenn, who started New View and, and uh, Glenn has been a mentor, you know, from a business standpoint of mine for, for the nearly 19 years that we've worked together. And, you know, I used to say it's a 24 hour rule, right? I don't think about it and react to it for 24 hours because 
sometimes this stuff would come across and you go, that's pretty offensive. Like I, I'm, you know, and I would be defensive, right? And what I had to kind of tell myself is, hey, give it 24 hours. Say thanks mm-hmm. for the feedback, wait 24 hours. And if I still don't like what was said, hey, Glenn, you said X and that didn't make me feel great. But 99 out of 100 times, I woke up the next morning and went, yeah, that's really good feedback. And I'm really glad that he gave it to me. So um, I, I'm, I think all of our listeners, Tarek wasn't lucky. I wasn't lucky in having a mentor. Um, everybody's got them. The, the questions are, are you asking for guidance? right? Are you asking people like if someone appears to be smarter than you, and I promise there's plenty of people every day that you'll meet that are smarter than you. And that's a good thing. And if if you're the smartest person in the room, find a new room to get into. Right. But you also have to be willing to hear it. Right. And so I can think back, you know, j- just to our time working together. And there's probably six or eight or 10 things that I've taken and comments that you've made. In fact, I'll share one that I've used a lot. And I, I'm, I'm coined this back to you which is progress over perfection, Mm. right? And I had to think long and hard about what that meant. And and I don't know if you recall, if you're still using that uh, vernacular, but you know, when when you started with us, that was a big thing. Like, hey, let's just progress over perfection. It was like, you know what? Right, that's that's smart. I'm looking at what does done look like. And you're saying, hey, we'll get to done, but you can't get to done until you start making progress. And so, you know, there's an example of mentorship, right? That may not even have been solicited, but it was there. Uh, and those are the types of things of feedback that we've got to be listening for, uh, because everyone, everyone, no matter what you think your life, life activities and events are, everyone has them, right? So, yeah. so let's let's keep this journey going. So, you know, that was right around when COVID started was 2020, right? You came back into corporate America. I remember interviewing you, and and honestly, I I and, and I think we've talked about this. You were overqualified, right? It was like. This guy's too good for us to hire. And, and I mean that sincerely, you know, and, and I think I even asked you, like, you know, Tarek, I'm a little concerned because I, I want to bring you on into our executive team and you've got this great background, but I don't want to do it for six months. Right. Um, so walk us through that and and not so much the new view side of it and, and and touch on it where it makes sense. But, you know, I know some of this continued story about your franchises and how you had to navigate COVID, which was a, a whole nother world because you were on the leadership team at New View as we as a business with 50 employees were trying to manage that. And then you had two franchisees that not only were you trying to manage the personnel, you were trying to make sure that you didn't lose them or could could even keep them open. So talk to us about that and, and just what that experience was like and, and maybe some lessons learned through there. And, and you successfully exited, right? So, you know, walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, this is where, and, and I know we've had conversations and, and, you know, New View and Glenn talk a lot about, you know, just, just faith, right? And how kind of the role that God plays in our life and how things happen for a reason. You know, when, when COVID hit in March of 2020, obviously, if, you know, if, so, if someone listening right now can mentally remember just the massive chaos and uncertainty that was occurring right at the beginning of it. And, um, from our perspective, so at this time we're living in Orlando. I've got a uh, one store in California, 2,500 miles away, one of our franchises, another one in Jacksonville that, um, we had lived, lived in Jacksonville and I had worked in that store for <clears throat> about a year or so. And that month in March, uh, both of our store, this, the sales went down about 40 to 50% each store. 
and um, no one knew what was going to happen in the world. And I, I thought we could lose our businesses. Like I have, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like this could, this could be all over in, in a month. And so I thought, well, um, it's time to go back to work. You know, it's, it's time to go back to work. And, and, um, you know, it, man, I, I feel so grateful that I, that I ended up at, you know, at new view with you guys and, and just, you know, what I learned and the experience and, um, man, it, it, it was just so cool. One, two, I, all of my career, I was the, you know, in a financial advisor role, you're generally, your role is to produce revenue for the company and you're compensated based off of that revenue. And so <clears throat> many of those years in, in, in the corporate world, it was just like, Tark, do your thing, produce revenue. You've got a lot of great ideas. That's awesome. But like, know your role, dude. <laughs> kind of, right? Or like, it's maybe an idea here or two was listened to. But overall, it was like, your job as a financial advisor is to drive revenue, not to create process or, you know, overhaul this or come up with that. And so, you know, for me, that was always an, an element that was missing. And so the opportunity to come in and to be a part of the leadership team, to learn well, all that I learned there with EOS, the structure, I had never quite managed a team in the in the professional environment like that, right? Managing, you know, two juice bars is very different than, you know, managing, you know, individuals in, in, a, in a financial company. And man, I, I just, I learned so much and it gave me a different level of confidence. It was, it was like the next level in the progression that, that was needed overall. And it was, and it was really fun. And the cool thing was that, you know, it, it was like running a business within a business, right? Cause I was overseeing sales and operations and you, you gave me a ton of autonomy, right? So it was like, it was, I was kind of running my own little business unit. So I was really like an intrapreneur. And uh, I, I don't know that with that, it, without that experience that I could have created now what we've created with franchise empire, which is pretty cool to, to look back on. Well, and, and, and we feel just as, as fortunate to be part of that, that story and journey as well, because it, you know, sometimes bringing people in and, and outside opinions and outside ideas and thoughts, um, it's critical to the success of any organization. You know, one person, two people, three people can only get it so far. You know, the power is in, in the team that's built. And, you know, what I what I, I want to highlight, you know, through this process, Tarek was battling challenges, right? I mean, he's going back to work to make sure he can continue to put food on, on his table. And I'm not trying to overly dra dramatize it. But during when COVID hit, I think everybody had this massive feeling of uncertainty, right? And it was uncertainty for a long period of time. But Tarek also showed up to the office every day and to work every day, like, let's go knock it out of the park. And, and he did that while still kind of battling some of these challenges. And so here you are, right? You've got nine failed businesses, right? You feel like a failure. A buddy of yours tells you, you, you should be doing better, right? Which duh, you know, of course <laughs> I should, but you know, but you, you, you let that fuel you. You don't let it debilitate you. You, you, you start two businesses, you kind of, you, I think if I look back and say, you know, how do you test someone's, you know, business acumen? I think it's pretty simple. If you can start a business and move 2,500 miles away and keep that business running, start another one and move, you know, 300 miles away and still run that, 
you know, you've, you've done a lot on the process side, right? You've done a lot on the right people in the right seats doing the right things. So here you are finally feeling like, man, we moved from California. We've got two businesses. You know, you're ready to call your buddy up and be like, yeah, you know, I'm on my way, dude. Thanks for the, the, the fuel. And then COVID hits and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, we're back to square one. Another failed business, this time environmental out of my control. Yet through all that, right, you come out shining brighter, which is a few years at Newview. You help us build out our institutional platform and division, which is still operating and, and, and doing incredibly successful today. You really helped shape that in a way that allowed us to scale it. And now here you are pursuing your additional dreams in your life, which is, you know, to, to be out in, in, you know, whether it's considered a YouTuber or not, but you've got this successful franchise business, you're helping other people, which is something that having known you a long time, I know is, is a, a, a deep down passion of yours. And you're, you're doing all of that despite every single solitary reason to have failed or failed and quit, right? Talk about a story of perseverance. So, um, that bit of it now, you know, kind of takes us more towards present day, right? So let, let's just get to the why behind franchise consultancy, franchise brokerage, and then we'll, uh, we'll hit our quirky questions of the day. And then we'll, we'll wrap up the show in the latter half, talking a little bit about exactly what, you know, you're doing at Franchise Empire, how our listeners can get a better feel if they're sitting on the sidelines, maybe looking for that playbook strategy, uh, that they don't want to create, but they feel confident they can run it. So, yeah, give us a little bit of the why, um, you know, as you departed Newview and, and you entered back out into your own, what was the why behind that and and uh, how did you kind of get things up and running? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And, and you know, before that, I, I think it's it's super important to point out that, you know, you can, with the right mentality, you know, I would have never been able to been in that role and take the position with Newview if if things hadn't if I hadn't already like intentionally set up things within the business to to be able to to operate with minimal effort. And so that was very intentional before, um, you know, if not, I, I could have found myself having to go back out to California, you know, or uh, go back up to Jacksonville or, or, or whatever it was. And I and um so so that that was very intentional, I think. And I think potentially for anyone that may go into the franchise space, I, I actually tell people, I think in, in, in an ideal world, there are a lot of people that go out and uh, they have a job, start a franchise business while they're working their job and, you know, and work to get it up and running. They do hire a manager, but they do it the right way and putting in their effort. I think the easiest way to do it is actually go full time, leave, go full time first in the business set the foundation, learn the business, put a manager in place, then go back to corporate. Now cuz now you've got a strong foundation instead of trying to, you know, manage the two. Um but you know, starting this business was really accidental. So I knew two things. Number one, I wanted to be on YouTube and I just wanted to share. I wanted to teach. I you know, I, I I've just been obsessed with business and motivational stuff and personal development, you know, for the last uh, almost 20 years now. And I just wanted to share and talk about that stuff really is, is really what I wanted to do. And number two, and then I wanted to be a business coach. Um, and so I never wanted to help people buy franchises. That wasn't the goal. That wasn't the intention initially. And it really just started to happen by accident. I just started, I started to make videos 
um, uh, actually prior to, I think it was like the end of 2019. So I sort of put out some videos prior to, um, you know, COVID and made a couple of videos just sharing my experience about pros and cons of owning a franchise, just what you need to know, just trying to help people, protect people. And all of a sudden, I guess during COVID, like the first month or two, I posted the videos. I mean, literally like 10 views, 15 views, you know, uh, crickets. And, you know, all of a sudden months later, and this is the power of YouTube uh, for for any entrepreneur, business owner, uh, even if you're wh whatever role you're in, the power of YouTube is incredible because you have what's called evergreen content where you can post something and it could just totally flop. It could catch steam six months, a year, two years later. And so those videos started to really gain traction as people were home, people were looking at opportunities. Next thing you know, I'm getting thousands of views on these videos. I haven't done anything. I mean, the videos are up and I'm, uh, you know, people are starting to email me, you know, saying, hey, can uh, I'm looking at this franchise. Can you help me? Or I'm trying to buy this franchise. Can you help me? Or whatever it was. And so that that kind of progressed naturally. Um, and, and really kind of wasn't intentional to go along, along that route. Well, you know, there's, uh, it, it's amazing how business works. I, I, uh, was fortunate some years ago to see the founder of Ugg Boots, um, at a, uh, an event and, and he was sharing with business leaders kind of his story and, and his story is amazing too. And, and, uh, you, you should look it up if, if you don't know it, but just how it got going. But he, he said, Every business has a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that breakthrough is something that you know, and, and sometimes it's just a little bit of luck. Um, and it's not luck because you you didn't deserve it. It's luck because you did something along the way that that made it work. And, and actually his big breakthrough was Oprah stumbled upon these boots, you know, and, and uh, put them as one of her favorite things. And, you know, he kind of talks about like, that he didn't do anything, right? Like, but he did a lot. And and the message was you keep doing something. So yeah, like you say, you didn't do anything to get the videos, but you did. You produced the videos and put them on YouTube. And while you may not give yourself credit for the 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 uh, you know the rocket ship that took off six months later, you wouldn't have had that without it. And I think if you go back, and his message was you got to just keep doing everything because something will eventually happen, right? That's what you're working towards. And, and that is the difference between a good business and a great business. And, you know, he referenced in this case, a billion dollar business, which, you know, I, I sincerely hope that, that uh, we're all, uh, you know, working towards, but, you know, was there is no billion dollar business without something like that. You know, something catastrophic in a positive way is happening and occurring that creates a fundamental shift in the way people view the product or view the need for the product. And, and you could go back and look at any of these, you know, and, and kind of see that. Right. And so, you know, if you think about just just the world and, and how it works, um, it, it is uh, it's amazing. So I think you're you're you kind of fall in that exact same line, which is you don't feel like you deserve the credit for what happened. But in reality, as a business owner, you got to do lots of things. And, and you're not going to get it right every time. And sometimes the answer to why did that work so well is I don't know, but let's keep doing stuff. And hopefully there's another I don't know in the next couple months and another I don't know in, in six months that keeps the business propelling. So all good stuff. Well, well Tark, we're going to take it just a, a, a quick uh, pause here for our quirky questions of the day. We're going to put you on the hot seat 
Uh, these are listener submitted questions. So if you do have them, please send them to allaboutalts at newviewtrust.com. I've got three envelopes that Miss Amy has. I'm going middle envelope today. Tark, there are no wrong answers. There are no right answers. They are your answers. So uh, nice. have some fun with it. You ready? Yes. <clears throat> All right. If you could communicate with one species of animal, what would it be and why? Oh, I guess uh, a lion. A lion. A lion uh, is actually our logo at uh, at Franchise Empire. And like, I'm just, uh, I think that the the power of the lion, the, the roar, the presence, the king of the jungle, right? To just be able to, to, to understand what it does, why it does it, how it approaches, just battles. I'm pretty intense. So yeah, I, I, the lion for sure. I love it. I, I love, I love the, the answer and the why. All right. City life or countryside? Oh, countryside. 100%. Yeah. I'm not a city guy. Question number three, you're almost off the hot seat. If you could only eat one cuisine the rest of your life, what are you eating? Seafood. Okay. Seafood for sure. I don't I know if it. that's considered a, a, a cuisine, but. <laughs> I, I, first of all, I think it, there's a seafood. Red, Red Lobster exists as a seafood restaurant. There certainly is a cuisine tied to it. Um, so I think you're good there. Um, but yeah, I love it. Seafood it is. So. Countryside seafood and and uh, and you're talking to lions. Not a bad day. <laughs> Good thing I picked seafood, and the lion might rip it out of my hand. That's right. That's right. Well, we're uh, we'll we'll get right back into it. And and thanks for for sidestepping there for a minute. Uh, and thanks to to the listeners that keep submitting those questions. I think it's uh, adds a little levity to uh, sometimes some discussions that you know from a business side. You know they need a little pause and and sometimes a little chuckle. So. Let, let's talk tr present and future, right? We talked about kind of the past in this journey and, and what an amazing story, Tark. And congratulations to you on just that perseverance um, that, that you've had to muster through this process. And I'm sure some days were easier than others and some days were harder than others. And uh, I suppose that is the life of an entrepreneur and a husband and a father, right? And, and, and. So now you've got this business, um, you know, Franchise Empire, you kind of gotten this accidentally. You started helping people Right. We had this kind of YouTube video that that got some tailwind. And, and so now you're saying, hey, all these people are reaching out to me. And, and so let's talk a little bit about what you actually do, not the why, but the what. So help us define what Franchise Empire in your eyes does and who it serves. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, really our target market is helping people that are frustrated and unfulfilled in their career or whatever it is that they're doing and helping them transition from employee to employer. That's really our core target market. It's the folks that have the most kind of pain in their in their situation because pain uh, is what drives change, right? And what drives, uh, you know, really behavior and action. So what we do is we help them find, vet, and then actually acquire a franchise. And then we'll actually keep working with them until they get it profitable. And so that's uh, something that makes us completely unique in the marketplace. There's many, many what's called franchise brokers, aka they'll call themselves franchise consultants, where you know what they'll they'll just simply play matchmaker and kind of match you up. Uh, our, our process is is more holistic and and comprehensive because we want to put people in the best position to succeed as possible. And a lot of the folks that we work with, they may not have run businesses before. 
uh, or they have had failed attempts at starting businesses on their own. And so we, we just want to help put them in the best position to succeed as possible. But what we found is that we've, you know, we've started to have more and more folks that are existing entrepreneurs that want to diversify their portfolios. Um, we, you know, we have uh, people that come in with a partner where maybe they're just uh, the investor uh, in the model and someone else is going to operate it. We've seen it happen with a lot of father-son duos, uh, family members or just like friends that they kind of want to do something while maintaining their employment. And so, you know, what's, what's interesting about franchising as a whole is when, when, when most people think about franchising, what pops it like when, if you thought just someone just came to you and said, Jason, franchising, what businesses pop in your head? Uh, McDonald's, Subway, always food. Food. Yeah. Food. Right. Which is, which is same thing here. This is one of the reasons why I bought a food franchise, not knowing that it was one of the lowest profit margin businesses that actually exist out there. And so there are actually over 4,000 franchises, franchise brands in the United States alone, over 800,000 franchise establishments, meaning just, you know, businesses. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau, one out of every 10 businesses is a franchise. Wow. And so you've got businesses in every industries that do window installations, gutter installations, bathroom remodeling, kitchen remodeling, uh, landscaping. Um, a lot of people have seen the uh, uh, Redbox Plus, the huge dumpsters, right? Those are That's a franchise. Pods, the storage units, that's a franchise. If you've heard of budget blinds, they do window treatments. That's a franchise. So, you know, I, I am quite passionate about, you know, showing people these other opportunities that put them in a much higher likelihood and position to succeed. And you're not spending 500 grand or a million dollars to build out a retail location that maybe you you have to not not only take out a huge loan to fund, but then sign a 10, 15 year commercial lease that you're personally guaranteeing. And so there are all these opportunities that people just have no idea about. And so, you know, our goal is to help to help at least expose them to that opportunity. I love it. And and I think franchising, you know, is something that, you know, is such an interesting kind of idea because I think one, you hit on the fact that a lot of people think franchising is food, right? And 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 I'm guilty of it. And and you're in the business and and you have been and are guilty of it. The other side of that is I think there's this idea that franchise is kind of like it's like the easy way out. And, and I don't understand it candidly, you know, because it, it it's like suggesting that you, you you have to go to Publix and pick out every ingredient. You certainly couldn't buy, you know, something prepackaged, right? Well, why are you doing that? Well, because if I buy every ingredient and I go home and I take all the ingredients, I'm going to have waste. So that's, that's loss, right? I'm going to have all this time and energy and effort and honestly, it may not be that good when instead I can go to Publix Aprons, I can buy a bag with all the necessary stuff already pre-chopped up and cut up and done. I cut the, the processing time in half and then I can be a great cook. And it's funny, in, in my house, I can cook from scratch. My wife needs a recipe, right? And, and we have to know that about ourselves. And it's no different in the investment world. And I think when I look at franchising, like 
ultimately, when when the meal's on the table, I don't think anyone knows the difference whether I cooked it, you know, and and grabbed stuff out of the fridge or she cooked it out of a, a Publix aprons bag. The, the the moral of this is that you're still serving a great dish at the end of the day. And I think for people to get into business, not everybody has the time, energy, and money to start from scratch, and the risk is greater. Right now, the reward probably is greater in the grand scheme of it, but not everybody has to go high risk, high reward all the time. And so. I love franchising and I love this model because it gives access to truly everybody where the real business world is not accessible to everyone. The barrier to entry monetarily may be too high. The the barrier to entry from a vision standpoint may be too high. And so if you look at why businesses fail, one of the biggest reasons is longevity. They just can't sustain it. And if we go back to that discussion with kind of the UG founder, like you need a tailwind to, to hit. And if that tailwind comes in year three and you don't have a business anymore because you ran out of money because you invested too much to upfront, you're not going to get it, right? So let's talk kind of this model now. So we've got this 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 franchise model that, that is holistic. What are the things for people listening today, right? What are the questions they should be asking themselves first, right? And then what are the questions that they should be asking someone like you to help kind of get a better feel for is franchising right for them? And if so, what type of franchising, you know, may make the most sense? Um, and then we'll we'll add one third element too, and, and we can maybe put this off to the side and, until we have a little more time is that passive versus active role, right? Because you've talked about it in both sides and, and I'd love to get a better handle on that. So lot to unpack there. Sorry to, to, uh, to add questions on top of questions, but uh, oh, you're a good. smart guy. I think you've got it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, it all starts with what's your intention? Like, what are you, <clears throat> what's your outcome, right? What are you optimizing for? Is it, hey, you want to fully replace your income at work and go full time? Um, are you just looking to supplement your income, right? Um, and stay in work, right? Or is this something where you're looking to add it more so to a portfolio? Right where where you're, where maybe you're going in with a partner, or you're just looking at it purely from an investment standpoint. So knowing that outcome will drive all your other decisions, right? And how how you approach the process. So to pivot to kind of the you know kind of the alts world and tie that in for a second, which is okay. Well, you know if you're you know potentially funding uh, for someone else you know, with, with, uh, your IRA, there are different ways that you can structure that. We talked about that on, on kind of the podcast that, that we did together in different ways that, that you can just, you know, approach that overall. Or if someone, if you don't have the capital yourself approaching someone who has money sitting in their IRA, that, that maybe they can lend that money to you. Right. And so there, there are all sort of different ways to approach it. So I think, you know, one of the things that's super important is know your outcome first know what the clear goal and destination is. There's so many people that will come to us or just like, I don't know, I'm open-minded. Like, well, if you're open-minded, you could end up in no man's land, right? So it, it's good to, to be open to options, but we've got to set a benchmark in terms of understanding what the finish line looks like or where it is, generally speaking. And so then, you know, then at that point, you know, obviously I'm biased towards working with a professional that can help you then go through the process of, you know, understanding your personality assessment, what your personality style is, because there are certain, you've got emerging franchises that are franchisors that, you know, maybe they have less than 25 or 50 franchisees, where number one, you're going to get more attention. 
you're also you'll maybe get more autonomy where you can be a little bit more innovative, um, have a little bit more flexibility in the way that you do things because either they're still figuring things out or their just approach is a little bit different. Then you've got huge franchisors that have you know hundreds, if not thousands, of of uh, of franchisees where it could very much be like a hey, this is the way that you're going to operate and do things. You've got to follow a playbook to a T overall. Now you get to hire who you want and run your independent independent business at the ground level, but you've got to figure out what sort of experience that you're looking for and that you want to have. And you know, once you start going through the process, really the rubber hits the road. The cool thing about franchising is doing what's called validation. You get to talk to before you make the decision, you get to talk to 5, 10, 15, 20 other franchisees and understand what their experience has been like. Hey, How's the support with the franchisor? Um, has the has the return on investment uh, been worth it given the time, energy, and capital that you put into the business? If you had to do it all over again, would you? Um, you know, what's your biggest challenge in the business? You get to ask those questions so that you're not going in blind. And one of the things that uh, that you know really I, I learned at Newview was without like revealing any names or anything was that you got these private equity companies that are going in and becoming franchisees, multi-unit franchisees, buying up regions, states, um, owning huge portfolios of franchise systems, not just food either. I mean, we're, we're talking other, you know, non-food franchises. And that's really when it, when I remember learning that, at you know, at, at new view and, and I, it, I had not been exposed to it at, uh, before that. I, I didn't realize that that was something that was a thing. I thought it was just, you know, mostly, you know, mom and pop onesie twosies. And, and I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's really, you know, interesting. So there are all sorts of ways you can approach it. You can buy it and be like, I'm going to work as an owner operator. I'm going to go all in, do my own thing. I'm going to be more semi-absentee, keep my job, or maybe I'm going to have a partner um, and they're going to be the one operating it. I'm just going to put up the capital. A lot of the different ways to approach it. Well, I love that you hit on the the what type of person are you, right? I mean that that is so critical in in business, and it is amazing to think that you can line up your personality, style, and traits with an investment and a business and a franchise. Uh, and I think there's a lot of value in people kind of recognizing that is not everyone is cut out to do everything, and that's okay. You know, I think sometimes we live in this world where we feel like it's failure if you can't do everything or be all things to all people. And, you know, I think as people start to realize, like, be good at what you're good at. God gave us all different talents and skill sets and, and gifts and all these different things. But you got to a find them and then b figure out how to put them to best use. So I, I love that piece of it. You know, the other thing that I love, too, is that, you know, you 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 highlighted kind of the spectrum of active to passive. And, and it is a spectrum and you can be anywhere along that. Um, line. And I think if we kind of look at this from an investment standpoint is for people to ask themselves, like franchising, right, as a whole is a asset class and it should be considered alongside every other asset class. So, you know, if I can buy a rental property, right, I can go find it myself, right? That would be the most active. I can find it, fix it up, put someone in there, manage it. Or I could go all the way to passive, which there are companies that will actually buy the house, fix it up, get a tenant in place and sell it to you as a. And so you're super passive. And then you can do a little bit of all of that in between. It's no different in the franchise world. And, and I would encourage all of our listeners to look at this as an asset class, just like real estate. 
right? And it is part of a balanced and diversified portfolio. And if I can buy a turnkey piece of rental property that can yield me 10 to 12%, and I feel really good about that, well, what if I could go buy a, a turnkey franchise that could yield me 10 to 12%, right? Well, what if it could yield me 12 to 14 or 14 to 18? Or what if there was better upside? Or So all of these things, well, if I could, if the points of consideration are the same and the activity and involvement is the same and the investment is the same, then maybe yield is the driver there, right? So these are all strong considerations. And, and I love that we're talking about franchising because I think in, in the investment world, no one really talks about it. And, you know, Tark, you brought up, we, we've got plenty of, of clients that have invested into these private equity-like deals that are nothing more than master franchisors. Mm. And they've recognized that we can build a business by supplementing, you know, instead of buying real estate or, or issuing debt or buying, you know, operational businesses that we're starting or existing, we'll just go buy the entire West Coast for, you know, this franchise platform. And then we'll scale it because now we know how to make it work in one store. Now let's make it work in two, then five, then 10. And, and scale is everything, whether it's real estate or business. So, you know, I, I, a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's so critical that, in, that people start thinking about franchise and businesses as a passive investment right alongside real estate uh, because they inevitably have the same opportunity and they work very similarly. Um, Tark, let's come down the home stretch here. Yeah. Right. And, and close it out. And this has been awesome. So good to catch up with you. I, I learned something every time we we chat. And I, I think our listeners uh, are going to get so much out of this, this episode because it is a little different than what we talk about. It's so far outside of the normal peripheral of, you know, real estate and mortgages and notes and kind of that world. And and uh, and that's something that that I think people benefit gravely from. But let, let's close it out with just, you know, your your guidance and advice. What What's people's next step? You know, for people that are asking some of those questions that you highlighted, for some of the people that say, you know, I kind of know this is my personality. What is that next step? Are there resources online? Is it a, an email and a phone call to you? You know, is it is it just some research that they can do on their own? Where do they start? Yeah, and it really depends on um, if uh, kind of what's what phase you're in. Are you just in a? Eh, I just want to kind of take in some information casually in a very non-committal way, or? Or you know what? This is this is something that I kind of want to seriously look into. Number one, I, uh, we have a we have a YouTube channel that now has geez hundreds of views on it. So you can you know type in my name in YouTube and it'll all pop up. But you can look up Tark Johnson or Franchise Empire on YouTube, and there's just a bunch of free videos that you can watch casually. A combination of infotainment versus very in the weeds tactical things. We now have two channels. We have the uh, the Tark Johnson channel, which is kind of more infotainment now. And then we have what's called the Franchise Empire Show, uh, where we uh, interview guests like Jason. We had we had Jason on covering tactical ways to, you know, kind of uh, utilize your your IRA in, in, in this scenario. Um, and and then I'll, I'll do solo podcast episode um, and uh, just diving deep into some of my experience. So you can do that. And then we have some free resources if you want at franchiseempire.com. We have a, a free like masterclass video training. We actually have uh, right now we have a free uh, course that we're beta testing in exchange for feedback. And it's it's like a full blown thing. It took me a long time to put together. It's like four hours long, but it's more so for like beginners. So it breaks down 
like service versus retail, what it looks like to scale. How do you even finance franchises? Just kind of overall looking at the opportunity for people to figure out, is this even something that, you know, really I want to kind of pursue or, or look into. And I think that that's like the most comprehensive way to really identify, Hey, is this, is this something that I want to pursue? Perfect. Well, we'll, uh, we'll also throw all those um, links and all the social handles into our show notes. Uh, so people can click right through it. Well, Tark, this has been awesome. Um, we are ending season two shows with our what keeps you up at night section. So my last question for you, and, and I haven't given you any warning. So, so you know, this will, uh, we'll know what you were thinking last night in the middle of the night, but what keeps you up at night, Tark? Uh, yeah, I think for me, what keeps me up the night uh, is really feeling like I'm not fulfilling my potential. Like, am I am I am I doing enough? Did I did I go all in? And I think, you know, similarly to probably a similar style to you. I mean, there's the normal challenges of the business, but I think ultimate ultimately at the end of the day, it's you know, I, I don't want to have that feeling of regret that I didn't give my all and do everything that I could do to, you know, make an impact and, you know, really take care of my family and just go out there and help people. I love it. And it is. Every entrepreneur has a variety of things came but I'm up at night. I think that one is probably a universal truth in terms of, you know, everybody. And, and if you don't think that way, you're not thinking the right way. Because if you give 100%, right, the question is, how do I give 101? And when you get to 101, it's how do I get 102? And uh, you don't create, right, anything without passion, without work, without effort. So, uh, Tark, thanks for walking us through kind of your journey and story and, and giving us some insight. And, and I hope our listeners uh, walk away a, a, a little bit more excited about the franchise market as an investment asset class and with a better handle on maybe how to approach it and how to look at it and, and see what's out there. So uh, as always, uh, we wish you all the best, Tark, and everything that you're doing. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being here. Good to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Well, that wraps up uh, another great episode. If, uh, if you guys want to hit the like, share, and subscribe button, make sure that you stay tuned to the All About Alts podcast uh, as we continue to bring on some great guests along the way. And I would be remiss to not mention in closing uh, that Tarek will actually be speaking at our upcoming AltsCon event in October. And we're excited to, uh, to also do a deeper dive in, uh, into the franchise model and, and get a little bit more uh, into the weeds in terms of how it works and and really how to apply it as an investment strategy. So looking forward to that. Almost forgot all about it. So Tark, thanks for being here. Thanks everybody. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S to 407 407- 708-1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content and we'll see you next week.